Thank you so much for tuning in to the Attack and Release show. My name's Sam Moses. I'm with my good friend, Matt Garber. Hello. And today we have a very special guest, John Brandt. And I am a huge fan of John Brandt. I've been following along many years, which he probably doesn't know, but I adore his acoustic designs. And a little rundown on John is he is a acoustic designer builder, owns J.H. Brandt Acoustic Design. He's literally been all over the world building and designing studios for the last 40 years. I think he's an expert in acoustics and his wisdom on studio builds has no end. Over the last years, he's designed, consulted, and overseen over 200 studio builds, which is crazy. Please welcome to our show, the man who makes us actually hear what we are recording accurately. John Brandt. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's really Thank good you, John. To, to talk to you guys and banter. Actually, it's it's over 800 now. It's unbelievable. 800? 800, 800 worldwide, yeah. Uh, my goodness. I mean, That's a lot crazy. of them are little little tiny rooms. And a lot, uh, there's quite a few big ones, too. Yeah. But yeah. So <clears throat> my first question for you, John, is kind of hopping into it. On your email, whenever we were speaking with you, like in, for you to put something for somebody to put something in the footer of their email, they must really believe it. They must be able to defend it really well. So in the footer of your email, you're, it says $20,000 worth of snap on tools doesn't make you a professional diesel mechanic. I was wondering if you can embellish on that and kind of dive in with some gumption. Okay. Let's see. Basically you cannot buy experience. And, uh, you know, actually, I don't believe in talent. One would mm. say, oh, you can't buy talent. Well, talent comes from practice. Interesting. You know, there's a little story about the uh, little girl drawing in a, uh, she's, she's doing, you know, some artwork. She's sitting in a cafe and a guy walks past and stops and turns around back and looks at it and says, wow, that's really good. You must be naturally talented. And mm -hmm. she stops and looks up at him right in the eye and says, no, it's practice. Yeah. Hmm. And that's what it is. So it, you, you can't buy practice and you can't buy experience. And, uh, uh, you know, and it's the right kind of practice, too. Say, for instance, if you, if you learn how to type and you learn wrong and you don't follow the, the typing rules, you'll mm -hmm. never get past, you know, 70, 75 words per minute with, yeah. with, without errors. Uh, I mean, I can fly along about 90 because I actually do it right now. My kids, that's another okay. thing. I try to teach them <laughs> proper typing. But it, that's just a simple example. Right. So, it, it, and, I, and you can have the, okay, take a professional, um, whatever, mechanic or guitar player or drummer or you name it, a, a, a car builder, and you give him a shitty tool or a <laughs> shitty instrument, and he'll do fine with it. He'll yeah, do just yeah. fine with it, okay? It, it, you, give, uh, you give him a great tool, and he'll, he'll, do, he'll also do fine with it, but he'll do it a lot faster, a lot easier, with a lot less swearing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> give, the, give the mechanic a 25-cent wrench, you know? He's gonna, uh -huh. the, you know, <laughs> and carry on and, and throw it across the room and says, that's all I got for you to work with, so, so he'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. But it'll take them a lot longer, see? Right. That's so great. I mean, yeah. I 100% agree with that, honestly. My wife and I were just talking about this 
to be honest, of you, like the idea of talent and natural talent, because I'm someone who has had to work very hard over the last 15 years to get, I'll say, great at mastering. And there are a lot of things I'm, I'll say I'm naturally a hard worker, which was instilled from my dad, who was a, a laborer in construction. Yeah. But I have worked for 15 straight years on audio learning. And I can also attest to spending the first five or so years learning incorrectly in a bad room to where I learned all these habits. And basically, I learned how to listen incorrectly mm-hmm. because I was in such a crap room. And eventually, I mean, this leads into what you do and I'm just the last like five years I've become obsessed with acoustics and room design and truly being a full bought in believer that I don't know how you become great unless you can actually hear what you're working on accurately well, in the well, music this industry. Is, this is somewhat true, but I mean I, I worked with Eddie Kramer and and damn that guy, he'd been a bomb shelter with no treatment, and he'll turn out a hit record for you. Yeah. I don't know how he did. I'm serious. You know, some people they they work it out, and it's, yeah. you know our brains are jellyware, okay? Uh, say the hardware and our algorithms that we develop ourselves. That's the programs that we use yeah. to to analyze different things, and you know we have some automatic stuff that we just developed from the early age and 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 so the the way we think and the way we react to stimulus and 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 different things so he's developed this he can get it anywhere he goes and i've yeah. seen just seen him do it um now i know a lot of great engineers and producers that that do that now that some just can't. I, I hear too much garbage. I just hear it, and I can't block it out. That's why I've invented this this criteria for room treatment because right. it. I, I want it to be accurate. And like Tom Hidley's always said, you want your speakers to tell you the truth, and you don't want the right. room to be whispering lies to you on the side. That's so great. That's so great. So, <clears throat> so just real quick, just thumbing through your website a few days ago. And you have you have moved a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dallas to Cincinnati to Ann Arbor to Boston to France to Italy to London. Then you're in the army to Texas to Missouri to Detroit, and now you're in Jakarta. Yeah, that yeah. is crazy, man. Yeah. I've, so I've, how, I've, how did you how did you get there? Well, number one, and this is what I tell everyone: follow your heart, <laughs> do what you love. Mm-hmm. And I've loved music all my life, and that's what I did. Mm-hmm. That's what I followed. Um, I was, you know, as a as a as a young kid just out of high school, I went to uh, yeah, I went to uh, uh, traveling around just right out of high school. I was going to go to college and study music, but I got hooked up with a band, and you know what happens. Mm-hmm. You start traveling, you go, and it, it, so I worked my way from the keyboard to the to the console. It always ended up at the console, mm-hmm. and the wiring, and 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 you know, I started uh, studying electrical design and wiring early on before I even went to Europe and um, electronics. And I was fortunate to fall in with a really great great group of musicians and and network of people there. Traveled around. I I I worked with uh, for about a year, year and a half. I worked with Jeremy Spencer, 
hmm. of the old Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it went on the Europe One tour. I worked in a, a several clubs in south of France and Rome and Florence. Uh, let's see. Oof. And then I decided, okay, it, it, I was I was kind of down on my luck in 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 Rome, so I. Uh, I caught a ferry boat to to Greece, and I thought, well, I'm just going to fuck around there. I'm just going to see what happens, you know? I took my guitar, and uh, I ran out of cash on the ferry boat. So I had one coin left, so I put it in a lot of, you know, these these one-armed bandits on the on the ferry boat, and yeah. bam, I got a lot of money. So, <laughs> so I landed in, in, in the harbor and went up into Athens and... and um, Anyway, I just, I, yeah, I had a good night. I got a place, and anyway, and so I started busking, and I, that's how I met my my first wife. Yeah, in Greece, and uh, then it, we ended up going to England. I ended up working in a few studios and doing some tours. Uh, I mean, turn turn the working man's club, working men's clubs, as a solo artist, and mm. um, uh, eh, you know, but. You, all parts of this, I gather together my experience and put into studio design and building. Every bit of it was a was a good experience. And there's yeah. there are things that you know when you first start out in the music industry, was everything that you did wonderful and good? No, it was garbage. <laughs> you complete know? garbage. Yeah, no, it's complete garbage. <laughs> and but it's okay. You know, yeah. that's how we learn. And it, it's too bad that we only have the, the, the proverbial 80 years to live or 100 years to live, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because right now, I'm 67 now. I'm at, I'm, oh, I'm just getting it. And then right. you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, so I got to finish this book and get it out. And hopefully somebody else will take it up in another step, take it another yeah. step further. Um, that's so great. That's yeah. so great. So, so kind of getting on to that, and it, I, I saw on your website, is it called Build Your Own Home Studio? Oh, uh, no, no. The, that was an early, you know, sort of a, uh, it was a small booklet that I, oh, okay. you know, no, it's not available any longer. The, the, the name of the book is called Recording Studios and Other Acoustic Spaces, and it's going to be a volume one. Volume two is going to be Quiet spaces for a noisy world, mm. and I'm co- I'm trying to cover pretty much everything acoustic. I, I had a wonderful mm-hmm. interview with Sam Bershaw uh, the other day in uh, New York, yeah. and he does mainly uh, concert uh, concert halls and stuff. And he's got some wonderful stuff going on in there, and mm-hmm. gave me some really good information. I can't really mention much of it now until I talk to him again and ask him. What can I t- talk about? <laughs> you know, um, but it's 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 really good. I intend to write a, a bit about that. There's a, there's a section in in this book about performance spaces. So in there, I want to address some of that. Um, mm. But there are uh, lots of other books that are already written on the subject, but they're really technical most, right. most by, for the most part. I'm trying to write this for the for the normal guy, just you and I. Yeah. Uh, you can, and it's, it's going to have all kinds of drawings in it where you can just, at, at the end of reading the book, you can take, you got, I think I, I listed five different designs that you could just take and build it right there. Yeah. And it's just going to work. Um, wow. I mean, so, that was one of the first things that drew me to you, John, was I stumbled across via a YouTube uh, black hole. Your videos just <laughs> yes. came up. 
And yeah. I started watching you, and you were one of the first people to, I'll say, make acoustics approachable that I've ever met. 100%. You would explain things. And also your presentation to me, um, I feel like is how I view the world, which is you cut through the bullshit. Like you, I remember you're talking about um, basically floating floors and how, yeah. and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but basically everybody builds them incorrectly <laughs> for the most just part. About, yeah. yeah. Just, no. And I remember listening to you and being like, this all makes sense. Like to float a floor properly takes a lot. And like, I've watched a lot of Nashville guys do build outs and stuff and watch them float a floor. And I just keep thinking, you know, I remember looking back being like, well, yeah, the, just putting like rows of two by fours underneath you with insulation, you're just creating resonance. Like, yeah, you're just, you're not, the floor isn't floating in an effective way. Um, right. You know, so anyway, and also you were one of the first people in, to use, you know, pink and fluffy basically insulation. Um, in some of the builds and traps and stuff. And I just really appreciate that you have invested into making something tangible and approachable because for me, it's a resource that has helped me a lot in designing my room. And I've pointed a number of people to your resources. I'm um, so glad that I, that's, that's helpful. Yeah, I'm so glad that, I, that has helped you and a lot of people. Yep. My point on, in, in all this, whether it's twofold, one is I am, I'm I'm adverse to holding information hostage. Yes, and mm. uh, it's a shame, though, really, because I, I'm not currently a member of AES. And though I know a lot of really good people in AES, I won't join. I, I wanted to join. I was talking to Bill uh, Bill Whitlock uh, a couple of years ago about joining and stuff, and and try and thought about doing it. No, no, I'm not going to do it because it's it's a club. Mm -hmm. that, that, that draws a circle around us and it keeps us in, yes, but it keeps everybody else out. Yep, yeah. And, and if you want to know that information, you have to pay 30 bucks just for a little paper, you right. know? yeah. And, and um, I can get entire books, you know, you can buy Master Handbook of Acoustics for 20 bucks, you know, the whole thing <laughs> paperback, you know? Shit, right. that's a lot of information that's good. That's good right. stuff. Yeah. Um, Sadly, my book is not going to be that cheap. It's going to be a hardcover. <laughs> I'm not going to make. I'll make a paperback later, but yeah. mainly this is going to be a, a, a desktop, you know, tabletop book. Big. It's going to be yeah. A3 size and wow. proper blueprints that you can actually read. You know, it's not going to be reduced in size. It's going to be um, anyway. You can build from it. It's the value is is it is really there. Yeah. Uh, or will be. I'm. I got to finish it. I got a couple of months to go. I got. Well, but, sign uh, Sam and I up for the first. Two I'll, I'll pre-order whatever to get. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Take money, John. Please don't send me money. Not yet. Please. <laughs> no, uh, that makes it worse. It's like oh, the pressure. The pressure. <laughs> as as the old. Remember what was his name? Back in the '60s, there was a Lost in Space, and Doctor Smith was you know, oh. The Pain, the pain. <laughs> Remember him? <laughs> anyway, oh, no, I, I, I got it. I put enough stress on myself. I'm a type A personality. I just push myself. Yeah. I mean, so anyway, yeah, it's enough. <laughs> it's enough to get the job done. 
So on to on to studios. So Sam and I have had this conversation before, and it may just be my personal antidote, but I, I think Sam and I are on the same page with it. And I at least believe that the large portion of our listener base uh, really has is, is is so young that has yet to realize that audio is their passion, i.e. the podcasts that I kind of came into audio listening to have since shut down. And it's like, it was created for me before I even knew that this is what I wanted to do. And then I grew up learning kind of like, like I was listening just to uh, interviews of Roger Foote and like a handful of like, other people just like on like how they make certain pieces of gear and whatnot. Yeah. And uh Square Cat is one of the ones I listened to. And I I reached out to Adam and I was like, yo, like, can you just like send the files? He's, this is such good information to be like taken down. So I might I might reach out to him again. Yeah. But right. So yeah. so I think that a lot, a large portion of our listener base has really even yet to realize that audio is their passion. And they will all start from somewhere most of which will start in a home studio, which is becoming more and more prevalent. Um, What advice would you give to somebody who is just starting out looking where to put their cash uh, as far as getting the most, not, not, I I don't like the word the bang for their buck because I don't want like necessarily a cheap option, but if a home studio is really the only way that someone can really uh, get this passion out and uh, express that, through music and creation and whether it's through mastering, mixing, producing, what have you, what advice would you give that person who's creating the home studio? It kind of depends on what they want to do. You know, everyone has a, what I call a, a, a Friday night passion or a Friday night um, thing, right? What do you, you're working all week, say you're, Stacking boxes. It doesn't matter what you're doing mm-hmm. for a living. Uh, uh, everybody starts on my man. I started off as a as a as a stock boy in a grocery store when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Before that was newspaper delivery. You know. So whatever you're doing, what do you dream about? Well, you guys, I really want to make this, or I want to do this, or what? I want to try this. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, just do it. Um, I know guys who 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 started with a laptop. And a USB microphone, and 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 they're 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 in there, and they're on it. And the thing is, the the more you do something, the better you will get at it. Mm-hmm. And so, if you do what you love, you're going to you're going to do it all the time, right? Yes. And when you do something a lot, you get a lot of practice, and you get pretty good at it. And you keep getting better at it, and practice, and better and better, and pretty soon you rise to the top of what you're doing and you start making money at it. And there, that's the reward. But the, the main reward is in the satisfaction of, yeah, I did that. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, it's like lately I've been updating a lot of my files for my clients, uh, the, the, the treatment files, making them easier to build a little clearer and stuff. And it is kind of its own reward. I'm not getting paid to do that. Not anymore. It's just, Something that I owe them. I owe people, you know, that are do, building my designs. You know, let's make this a little easier. Let's make this a little better. I'm always trying to, you know, up it. And if you follow your passion, you follow what you love, whatever that may be, try it out. You never know. You might hate it. <laughs> so uh, just, 
<laughs> but, but but try it, you know. So from your corner of the world, not not literally, but from acoustically, what advice would you give to that person who audio is their passion, creating music is their passion, whether it's mixing, mastering, producing? Is there any acoustic antidote that you would provide to that person who's well, starting out in a home studio? Anecdote? Anecdote? Yeah, like anecdote, story? yes. Okay. Um, anecdote. Well, let's see. Well, a, a, one word of advice. Don't wait. <laughs> Don't wait for a better PC. Don't wait for a better microphone. Don't wait for a better anything. Just start doing it. Okay. You work with what you've got and you learn to work with what you got. And, you know, you talk to a lot of the pros that have been around since, as they say in Nashville, like I remember talking to Gene Breeden. He says, we were joking about him. I was joking about him with somebody. Else. Oh yeah. Gene's been around since water. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, people that have been around the, 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 the business forever, they're like that. Yeah, we, we, we work with what we had, you know. We needed a such and such on this session, so we found this thing and we used that. And it worked, you know. Right. Um, yeah, it's nice to have the great mics. It's wonderful to have really good gear. Again, you know, like I said, the professional will, will work it. will work it and make it work. If right. that's all you got, work it. And, and another thing, don't get into debt, guys. Don't bar your way into it. Mm -hmm. uh, just do what you can. I mean, if you get extra jobs, extra things after after work, work another shift of something else and save your money. Just stuff it away until you have what you need to to meet your goal is planning. Yeah. So what do you what do you like wish people understood more about acoustics? From home studio uh, to like going a little bit further down the road, what do you wish people understood more? I wish people understood more more about the physics, and they would recognize the the, the physics involved in a recording studio or or, a, or accurate room. Uh, you mm. can't put up two inch panels and and think that it's going to do much, right? Mm -hmm. um, I just I was just talking to a fellow earlier today about his room and it's uh, it's in metric um, but uh, it's a small room it's like what was it 55 cubic meters what's that that's like 2,000 cubic feet it's not that big mm -hmm. no. um, it's but it's big enough and I told him you're gonna have to have about ah, 24 inches of treatment in the back wall mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, at least, and and then half that much on the front, and and you have to have twelve inches on the sides. He's in a concrete building, basically. Okay, so that's that's where those re those requirements are. I mean, when you have an extremely hard shell, you have very strong modal activity. So you have a lot to um, uh, control. Okay, if you look at the if try to understand that like a piece of paper or tissue paper can dim the high frequency over a tweeter. You put tissue over those old mm -hmm. ends. Right. Uh, and it dims them and it's, it works nicely. Paper, it stops that frequency. Try that with bass. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can put a block of wood in front of it. You're still hearing the bass right. because the bass wave just curves right around it and keeps going. Yeah. Um, 
Base waves are also a thousand to ten thousand times more powerful than than mid range or high frequency. Hmm. Okay, it's the power, it's the energy that's involved in its inertia. You get that the the wave movement, even though it's just air particles banging against each other, it's a power movement. I mean, you, you, I, I don't know if you read that article about NASA invents this uh, sound, this this thing. If you're in the chamber when they turn the the, the speakers on, it will kill you. <laughs> it's that loud, you know, uh, yeah. uh, the scene in Back to the Future where Marty plugs in uh -huh. his guitar to the, you know, and goes Frank and that it blows him across the, across the room. Well, <laughs> it can actually do that. That's right. the power in the way the, you know, so, you know, there's a lot of power there. Right. And so you need a lot of control. If, if people only understood that, then they go, Oh yeah, that makes sense. You know? Yeah. So is there a point to where it's only worth controlling certain things? And it's like, 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 as, as we like getting, getting back to like kind of the beginning is like understanding like your limitations. It's right. like, is there a point to where it's like, it's not really worth going after some things because some people, they just say, well, I'll just learn the room. And I know there's like, there's, there's fallacy yeah. in that, but there is much. Uh, well, um, may I may I speak on a very uh, very famous and popular idea sure. that it just irks me. Sure. And uh, I, I I'm telling you this because um, you know we're, we're mammal primates and we copy. We 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 also throw poo sometimes, but uh, <laughs> but we copy each other, and that's okay. I find that. Imitation is the highest form of flattery, and I've had a lot of people imitate my room designs. That's wonderful and great. I don't feel, I don't feel like it's stolen or anything. I think, yeah, it's good. He's trying. Okay, yeah, you know. <laughs> Look at anyway, you know. <laughs> and uh, but uh, the LEDE criteria or RFZ, both both were created around 1979. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's old, man. That's old. That's over 40 years old, man. Right. All right. Imagine using a computer that's 40 years old. Right. Anybody? Anybody got a computer that's operating, that they use it every day? It's 40 years old. Green screen, CRT, mm -hmm. clackety clack keyboard, yeah, maybe 64K RAM. That's it. I mean, <laughs> processor runs it. Oh, shoot. Man, 100, 100 megahertz or something. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, so yeah, we don't, we don't, that, that criteria is ancient right. and it's capricious. Capricious means that it's different in every room. It doesn't work. It really doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's, it's quote unquote, better than nothing. <laughs> yes. Yes. By all means, you know, if you have a bedroom studio and you want to put up a few panels and make it better, do that. Please yeah. do that. Yes, I rec highly recommend it. But that's not, the, that's not the end of it. You're not done. Yeah. Um, but it's, it may be as far as you want to go because you don't want to spend very much money on something that doesn't work. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't get you accuracy. When, you're still, when you still have to guess at what the base is, right. guess at what, the, what your compression levels should, are or should be because you have room compression, because things aren't treated properly. Um, you have to guess... <clears throat> due to a lot of clutter reflections too. Mm -hmm. 
So you go out to the car and listen to them in the car. But the car is great because it's like you're you're in the speaker box. You're you're inside the speaker, and it's it's pretty pretty true, pretty accurate mm-hmm. most of the time. Um, or you go to your neighbor's stereo system, or whatever you go in the house, uh, and you have to check it elsewhere. Why do all the running around? I mean, there were right. lots of times when I was was actually when I was in Nashville in the nineties. I built these little transmitters and installed them in studios so that you could plug it into your two mix and run out to the car and check your mixes because the mix room was <laughs> so fucked up, you know, because right. you, could, you couldn't tell, you had to guess. Most <clears> of them <throat> still are. Yeah, of course, of course they are. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and major designers design these and they, right. they do lectures about them. I'm not going to mention any names uh, about how great the LED criteria is, it's, 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 it's bullshit, you know? And I, I hate to see that young people being convinced of this hogwash. It's just, it's capricious, capriciousness. Capriciousness means it changes its mind all the time. It goes back hmm. on its word, and it does. You, you have two rooms that are pretty much exactly alike, and you treat them L-E-D-E, and you go in, and you bring your reference material, and you get your head tuned to it. Okay, good, I can mix in here. Then run to the room that's just like it and try to mix in there. Your mixes will be fucked up. Right. Because it's different. <laughs> yes. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. Oh geez, yeah. So well, that's I mean, it's it, at that point, it's just no. It, that's no longer like a dependable like set of criteria exactly. on how to right, do anything. By. Absolutely, yes, sir. That's exactly my point. I, I do have a chapter about it in my book. I go point to point through the criteria and explain. Do you, you know, say that it's bullshit in the book? <laughs> yes, I do. I, Thank I, you. I, that's, that's one of my favorite words. <laughs> <laughs> it makes my heart warm. Remember, remember wait a minute, what was that movie uh, with, um, come on, what's her name? The Legally Blonde Girl. It Reese was Witherspoon. How, to, yeah. how to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Oh, yeah. that one. Yeah, Witherspoon. Yeah, okay. And, and, and she invites him over to the house. And as soon as he walks in the door, he's hearing from the, out at the land, on the land eye, she, he's like, bullshit. Another one. No bullshit. And and she said, "You'll have to forgive my family has Tourette's." <laughs> but yeah, no, it's one of my favorite words. I'm that and white noise. Yeah, I hope that a chapter also starts out with "We're all mammals, and sometimes we throw poo." <laughs> Mammal primates. Yeah, yeah. I, the, I, the poo thing needs to get in there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we though? Don't we? Yes. Don't we throw poo? Oh, man. Oh, dear. Has been flung this year, especially. Oh, dear. Well, I mean, you get into, like, I've seen, I've seen uh, people just interacting in online forums, whether it's Facebook, Gear Sluts, or whatnot. And it's just like, there's really no perfect thing on the internet. And the internet is pretty much just loudest idiot wins. (laughs) So when you're trying to get relevant acoustic information, like, on how to do a build or something like that, and that's why we're trying to, get uh get people like you on the show just so we just so people can have like a solid contact on this is somebody who does it professionally who like this guy knows his stuff so yeah, well, ask john what I, I, what I try to present is not just opinion i try to present facts and then i'll i'll go i'll call something bullshit but then i go in and i explain this is why and here's the data here's right. the measurements all this 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 um i had a little uh, a little running argument with with Bob Katz about the efficacy or the efficiency of isolators under speakers, and I was kind yeah. of siding with Ethan Weiner, who 
thought that it was hogwash, you know. So, mm. and I said, let's do some tests. And, and recently, Bob published a paper at AES about his isolator tests. And I can see from the data that it holds water. So yeah. I'm going to say, well, thank you, sir. You were right. You know, and I'll say that publicly right here. See, mm-hmm. so there are, there are many things and many times that, that we have, we have thoughts on something. And I, and I, I will say that, well, I think this, or this is my hypothesis, but, or, or my opinion, but usually I'm just saying, well, this is what it is. And I'll show you the data. This is why. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I like to stick to clear definitions when I when I when I say something, if I if I give an opinion, I say, okay, in my opinion, <laughs> you know, and I'll carry on with that. Otherwise, I, I'm trying to be as truthful and honest as possible right. with, with the facts. I also That's think great. too, like what you just said about willing to say you were right is something that I think about a lot because I feel like that's something we're losing in the industry or in society. Is like we need to, and, and I say this speaking from. Uh, my own life of we need to be able to be wrong and we need to be able to be yeah. grace to say I was, I mean, the way I thought about acoustics 10 years ago is total shit compared to where <laughs> it is now. <laughs> and there are things I probably told people 10 years ago about needing two inch panels everywhere. And, you know, for me back then, it was more like I'm trying to soundproof everything. And I didn't even understand like a difference between soundproofing and isolation and tuning a room. Like they're all, in my opinion, very different things. And I mean, I just had a guy yesterday hit me up about, you know, asking about basically soundproofing his room as a means to making it sound good. And I had to explain to him like, those are two very different things. Like you can soundproof a room that is then just bare drywall inside it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds Correct. terrible. And I just mm-hmm. think we need to be able to have the freedom to explore and make mistakes without it becoming um, our identity, essentially. Where it's like, well, 10 years ago, you said this, or even last week, you thought this. Oh, yeah, that's so and important. now, like, you think differently. And people, you know, in politics call it like flip flopping. I just call mm-hmm. it like, like you're learning. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. You need to right, be allowed right. to learn. And allowed yeah. to say, I think this based on this. And you could even, for me, even like have research on it. And then someone else might discover something new or different or a different way to frame it. And I hate that it's become like a, a line in the sand instead of like, a, here's where we were. This worked in this time. And now maybe it doesn't fit anymore. And that's okay. Yeah. Anyone sucks yeah. or you're wrong or you were even wrong. Or maybe you were wrong. That's okay. Like, Let's move forward and figure out how to, you know, best make this work in this new context, this new, you know, like Matt and I were talking about a lot of people and me included now with COVID. I was, I built like a commercial studio at the top of the year, COVID hit, ended up doing a full build out at the house instead and unloading it. And, you know, I'm in my house for probably the next, I would imagine, year or two until kind of COVID figures itself out, hopefully. And, you know, that's... I remember I'd been working to build a commercial studio in Berry Hill in Nashville because I'd start to have label clients, people wanted to come over. And I thought, okay, I need to have this this space so people can stop walking through my kitchen. And, <laughs> and now that COVID happened, 
nobody from any label ever wants to see me again. They're just like, <laughs> the files, do it, send it back, goodbye. And that is no longer a concern where before they... Like, and they're learning that yeah. it still works just fine. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that's, I guess, my whole little rant here because then I'll shut oh, up. That's, that's great. It's, that's where I've taken my businesses completely yeah. online. I don't visit the studios. I'd love to. I'd love to, yeah. but I'm getting so fucking old. <laughs> I don't... I, you know, my dog doesn't take me for walks even. I mean, it's... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. But... um no, they don't let me out much. <laughs> oh and they're probably, it's probably a good thing. Uh, you know, it's not safe for me to be out much. <laughs> no, um, I'm getting way off. off, off no, it's I'm, great. Oh. So where does, where does someone like you go to learn about it? Like, like where, did, where did you gain your knowledge on, on this topic? This is... Uh, this is a relatively comprehensive subject. Yeah. Well, Tom Hidley and and and, and quite a few of my peers, my current peers, you know. Mm-hmm. I know Rod, Rod, Rod Gervais, and I know Thomas Jean-Jean of Northward Acoustics. And we, we've met a couple of times in, here in Jakarta. And uh, a lot of people, and I've read, oh, I've read a lot of books. What you have to do, you have to read books, you have to open your mind to possibilities and be humble. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found that to my advantage early in early in life when I was traveling Europe, I would go to a, a, you know like the the front of house engineer and I'd ask mm-hmm. stupid questions. I kind of already knew, but I really wanted to know what his opinion of and how he did it and stuff. And so I'd ask questions that that, that flattered him, and he, of course they'll just tell you everything, and it's great. And I learned a lot. I learned so much, you know. Um, so yeah, be be nice, uh, be humble, and be ready to change your mind because sometimes things will come up. I mean, just like this recent thing with Bob uh, is is wonderful, and I applaud his work. And uh, I haven't had time to counter it or try to do some tests on my own, but I see the validity of what he's done, and I there's no sense in trying to counter it. I just uh, I did some rough calculations on on uh, you know, woofer mass versus uh, uh, cabinet movement. And the percentage is like 0.003%, which is, would not really affect the, the response at all. And if you put it on mm-hmm. isolate, it's just the, the thing's gonna shake a lot more, which yeah. according to his test, it did. Huh. But it actually did improve a few things. Uh, I, I, there are still th- some things I wanna go over, but I, I, I I take my hat off to him, and I I concede, I concede the uh, the, the argument to him. <laughs> um, so it was your argument that the isolation does that the not- isolators that the you know little floaty things that yeah. yeah. I mean, I've I've said I've said many times, and it's still true, that entire industries have risen. From myths and misconceptions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Especially entire... in the acoustic market. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm about to do a write-up. Uh, someone in my book group on Facebook asked a question about mass-loaded vinyl in, in this company that sells the products. <laughs> I, I was about to say, you know, the only company that I would recommend for any va- mass-loaded vinyl product would be Kinetics Acoustics, uh, Kin- mm-hmm. Kinetics Noise Control. They do MLV uh, and absorb. Uh, and fiberglass absorption blankets for 
uh, industrial machinery. And that is like the best stuff and the best way to use it. They don't tell you to, to put it between drywall layers like these fucking charlatans that sell this shit. <laughs> Uh -huh. no, I'm serious. It's just wrong, man. It's so wrong to steal people's money, especially when you're dealing with a home studio person who doesn't have a lot of money. And mm -hmm. then you get a, get a, get a, get a, a snake oil salesman going, saying, well, I got this, I get some magic rubber here. You put it in your walls and it's magically, <laughs> you know, fuck, come on, man. It gives them about maybe, maybe depending on the mass and the added mass of the added drywall, I, I'd say they're improving maybe, over just adding the drywall, they've improved it three decibels, maybe maybe two. Hmm. And that's it. For all the money they spent, they might as well, they should have bought green glue and they did improved it at least maybe five to ten. It depends on how the thing is put together. But right. um, <clears throat> yeah, there you go. Well, we won't get into all the jokes that could be made about <laughs> magic rubber. So, <laughs> magic uh, rubber. <laughs> yeah, we won't get into that. So, what would. <laughs> On to like, uh, uh, just like a few other questions that we have for you that we just kind of put together. What okay. would you say, like when somebody is building out a room or somebody has a room, what is more than likely the most overlooked and undervalued piece of acoustically relevant real estate in a room? So like a treatable surface, whether it's diffusion, absorption, uh, diffraction, uh, what have you? What is the most overlooked and undervalued piece of acoustically relevant real estate in every room that people are not focusing on? Door position. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Door position and window position. Okay. Uh, window size as well. They're usually way too big. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Sam would dis disagree with me, but uh, <laughs> window reflections are, are not not you, Sam. Not you, Sam. I'm I'm talking about oh. Sam. Uh, in New York, Sam Sam Burka in New, in New York would disagree with me. <laughs> it's okay, yeah. you know. Um, uh, I mean, he does concert halls, and they're marvelous, and they get big glass surfaces. It's fine; it works for that. Control room; it needs to be accurate, as as Tom would always say. You want your speakers to tell you the truth, and you want your walls to lie no more, to not to mm -hmm. whisper lies to you. You you don't want to hear it. You know, want them to go away. <laughs> you would just want to hear the speakers. That's all you want to hear. Um, uh, so door position, doors are usually in the corners, and that's mm -hmm. the worst place they could be in a studio. Or they're on the back wall. Now, some, some studios I've got, they're on the back wall. you got to, I mean, we have to, you know, as Clint said, Man's got to know his limitations, and you got to deal with reality too. You know, we live in the real world, and as uh, if you're building from ground up, don't put the bloody door on the back wall. Right. Put, it, put it on the side where it needs to be, like behind the mix position on the side, but not too close to the back corner because that corner is going to be full, and it's mm. and the back wall is going to be stacked up with a lot of treatment and waveguides. At least in my rooms, they are, and my rooms really work. The only problem, and I'm going to tell you, the problem with my rooms is floor bounce. And that's the problem in every room. Whether you have flush-mounted speakers or freestanding speakers, you're going to have floor bounce. Freestanding speakers, you're going to have more than that. You're going to have wall bounce no matter how much treatment you got on it because they're away from the treatment. So the, you can do the math on that. Yeah. It's mm. going to bounce and reflect and come back and, and give you a comb filter at the mixed position. You get a lot of ripples there. Um, 
I, I fixed the floor bounce though. I've gone back to some of Tom's ideas and made a base, a, a floor base trap. Hmm. Um, but Very it requires, interesting. requires digging a hole. We can talk about that the next time. Yeah. <laughs> there has to be a next time. We, we have about 10 minutes left. I got my eye on the yeah. clock for you. Yeah. So with uh, so if you had to if you had to say top three you have door window and you had to label what one other what would you say uh, oh oh console oh desk yeah fucking, fucking desk man <laughs> God you you wouldn't believe it. I mean I just I see people you know I, they got these you know space set up and they and then they pan across the video and see their their desk and it's one of these huge sterling monstrosities and. <laughs> I mean, honestly, why would you want to rack your gear up in a desk like that where it's laid so flat that you have to reach way across to adjust something or you have to stand up to see it to see if the dial is in the right spot? Right. Right? And not only that, but it's this huge monstrosity. It's like a great big old waveguide in the middle of the room causing your bass to go crazy and bounce this way and that mm. and cause dips and peaks. Also, not to mention all the surface reflections that it mm -hmm. Provide um, that, yeah. Desks. Oh. <laughs> People are losing their minds currently. I know. <laughs> I just picture the audience just feeling like, all right, I got to throw my desk here. <laughs> all right, down the door. New door. I need to do twelve inches to twenty-four I, inches. I just, I have a little. I have a little booth group for him, and somebody mentioned something. I told him, you know, I told him, you know, this. Well, it's. Such and such, and he says, "Oh, don't be so negative." I said, "Look, I'm not being negative." All right? You know? Like as Gandalf said to Bilbo Baggins, he "said <laughs> Bilbo Baggins, I'm not trying to rob you. <laughs> I'm trying to help you." Right? You know. So that's the idea. Don't throw out your desk if you've got a sterling man. Deal with it. We, we, we can right. work with that. But if you're about to buy a desk. Don't get one of those modeled after a sterling or anything huge like that. Get what you need. If you if you want to look at a desk, honestly, there are only two people in the world that 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 design uh, acoustically transparent desks and work surfaces, and 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 one is Thomas Jean-Jean of Northward Acoustics, mm -hmm. and the other one is myself. Sweet. It's a nice little shameless plug there. Oh yeah, shameless. <laughs> I've seen Thomas's desk. I haven't. I, I've yet to see yours. Um, they Don't they look like a Borg spaceship. That's why nice. I call it the Borg. <laughs> I'm joking. It's a it's an air transparent diffuser. The entire desk, and I've got so far. I've got seven different models. Interesting. And I wow. modify them upon on request, and we build them here, or I make the plans and you build them. Yeah. Do you have anywhere that someone can go see your desks, um, or buy them, uh, or oh, buy them? I, okay, my my shop site, my workshop, local workshops called Brandt Audio Devices, and some people in Nashville may remember Brandt Audio Devices back way back when. I've kept the name; it's even kept the same logo, and it's a site that will soon be up. I'm getting pictures and writings, and we're getting photos of all the stuff. We'll have the desk on there. Um, currently, there are posts about my the desk on my Facebook page, and uh, on my LinkedIn page. And nice. uh, I just uh, send me an email. I'll send you some some pictures if you want. Sweet. Do you think that that site will be up by the end of the year, end of twenty twenty? Yes. 
Yes, got so, to. It so to be. Th- this episode will be the finale of season three for us. So this will air on December 30th. Okay. So, so the site in theory should be up. There's your pressure. I'll, I'll give <laughs> there you, you go. <laughs> you guys can call me back. John, you lied. You <laughs> lied on live radio. No. <laughs> Uh, I'll 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 do my best to get it up. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, perfect. So, do you have a three to four minute general approach? Like, if you had to spitball real quick about what your general approach is to when someone brings you a room, hey, I want to do this. Do you have a general approach that you take? Well, I first analyze the room size. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the foundation. So if you don't have a good modal distribution foundation, whether it's taken from actual measurements or it's calculated, if I know what the surface areas are and what the mass and all the partitions, everything, what, what, what it's built of, then I can properly determine what the response will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go about adjustment as necessary and then mm-hmm. uh, analyze what treatment should be. And right off the bat, you, you know... With my room mode calculator, you can determine what the finished, after you're finished and done, it's all done, your RT60 should be. It'll tell yeah. you. I use that sheet from your website uh, yeah. in Excel to do my room, and it changed my life. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Great. That's great to hear. It's so, so glad. easy for those that are listening. You can go on John's website, and uh, he's got, I'll, I will say on air, the best resources to acoustics. Oh, I would agree. Everything else is wizard, wizardry. You really yeah. do spell it out. And I think yeah. the fact with like spreadsheet download where you can just basically plug and play situation <laughs> is so tangible. And I've used, I've sent it to so many people. Well, probably like a dozen. I say so many people who actually <laughs> care and are willing to listen. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's just great. So, you know, before we wrap this episode, I just want to say thank you because you're on some level allowing me to make great music. And uh, well, thank you so much. That that so makes my day. Yeah, that really does. That's like what it's all about. I really appreciate that. So I have one more question before we wrap things up, John. And it's a quick question that was really spurred on by the the last guest we had on here. And the question is, what are you learning today? Oh, okay. I'm doing some research on. well, I, I also I'm, I was checking out uh, Bob's paper, and I was thinking about doing some more research. But I'm, I'm going to just drop that. I'm working on a paper about um, mass loaded vinyl. What's the best use for that mm-hmm. in studios? Now I've already done one, but um, I, I got to do a write about that. What I'm learning today. Let's see. What was I studying? Oh man, there was something. <laughs> I was looking Maybe it up. No, I never stopped. No, I was looking never at something. Stopped. What was it? Oh dear. Um, oh, 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 yeah. The best, the the best technique for um, uh, for tuning your your, your your adjusting your 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 phase and and uh, and and delay and stuff on speakers to mm-hmm. get them aligned so that they're they're the most accurate in the room aligning your sub with your speaker mm-hmm. system and two is always better than just one mm-hmm. but you yeah. can you can do it with one a lot of clients that use one but i usually design in a sub with each speaker 
you know, flush mounted, you know, like ATCs or something like that. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it works out very well. They usually don't have any problems, but I'm always, I'm trying to, uh, uh, I've been reading some articles by some audiophiles of all people. And some of these audiophile articles are, are correct in a few ways and full of bullshit in the other way. So I, I'm just sorting through the garbage and picking out the good bits and I'm going to put it all together and, 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 you know, put a paper together on that. That's awful. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, it's learning. I, I, and, and, you know, there's some people come up with some good, oh, that's a great idea. Okay. You know, all the time. When, when Bill Whitlock came out with his, uh, his 2010 paper, uh, AES Ground Loops, the rest of the story talks about twisting the live and the neutral. We've mm -hmm. been wiring studios like that ever since. Ever since I worked with, uh, with, uh, with uh, um, uh, Neil Muncy in 98, I've been wiring studios with a zero loop area. And uh, understanding the pin one problem and correcting that, Oh my goodness. And there's still being new equipment built today, manufactured with pin one problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, just those kind of things you need to be aware of. But most studios are wired wrong. And uh, most studios have uh, either too little or too much isolation because they're just building shit. They don't know <laughs> what they're building or why. Right. <laughs> Oh, well, it's, the, the forum said to build it room in a room, but, you know, he's only mixing. if you're only mixing, you don't need a room in a room. You, can, right. you know, that kind of stuff. I could go yeah. on and on and on. But, we will uh, have to do an episode, too. Yeah, we'll do it with each other. <laughs> okay. sure. We've okay. created a bunch of people who have ill-placed doors, windows, and massive sterling <laughs> desks. Episode two will have to be solving these problems that we've created okay. for people. I okay. also learned something this morning. I had a meeting canceled, and so I had a little extra time. Ford is releasing a Ford Bronco, mm. and they accidentally scheduled the announcement date for July 9th. July 9th is O.J. Simpson's birthday. <laughs> and so they had to push it. And this was, this was earlier on in the summer. They had to push it about a week because they did yeah. not want to announce the Bronco on O.J. Simpson's birthday. So was it was it a Bronco he was running in or something? Oh yeah, the white Bronco. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. the phrase was "the juice is loose." So, <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my yeah. goodness! So anyway, yeah. we are forty-two seconds over time, John. I'm going to keep That's you to fine. your schedule, and uh, and uh, we'll we'll wrap here. So at home, you should be hearing a sweet beat queued up from Sam from Beezabeats.com. If you like any of those beats, go over and check them out. We make or not we, Sam makes essentially fresh music every single week for this podcast. And these 70, 80 episodes we've had, we have not repeated the same intro or outro music. If you like that, head on over to there. Uh, if you uh, want to support the show, you can head over to theattackandreleaseshow.com. You can get some merch. And uh, yeah, we have some cool options that actually probably should be out by the time this episode airs. Mm -hmm. And uh, if nothing else, John, thank you so much for being a guest on the Attack and Release show. We will have to do a, a second episode just to calm the nerves of people who have not <laughs> readjusted their rooms, thrown out their windows, and completely burned their desks to the ground. So <laughs> it was my pleasure. <laughs> so with that said, whatever you're having, morning, afternoon, evening, have a darn good one. Sam, cue up the music. Cue Cheers. Cheers.